This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello, and thank you for choosing Hijinks for your podcast entertainment today. I'm so excited because our guest is Kate Berlant, who is a personal comedy hero to me. And we'll be discussing everything from collaborative friendships to our fateful years at art school. So hunker down and get ready, because here comes Hi Jinx. <laughs> Forever. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. And today we are joined by Kate Berlant. Hi, Kate. Hi, Jinx. Did I say your name correctly? Ber- yes. Berlant? Berlin? Berlant, as in lantern. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is this is exciting for me because um you know every guest we have is special and and a master in their field. Um but I'm still in this place of we've only ever met once IRL and yes. we haven't, you know, had many opportunities to develop the the strong friendship I know we would have given yes. the given we'll the have. chance yeah. and will have um so i'm still very much in the realm of fandom when it comes to you mm. and i am unapologetic for how how big of a fan of you i am so this is very exciting for me now that i've gotten that out of the way um, i am deeply moved to my core um <laughs> when you expressed um you know, enjoying my work in the past, I was I was deeply flattered. But now taking it to a podcast, it's just shocking. You remain one of the only people in the culture to have enjoyed my web series. <laughs> um, <laughs> Kate Berlant teaches um, and you I just appreciate it so much. And thank you for having me. That's OK. We'll get into it. But I, 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 I front loaded with like a lot there. It's like, no, you don't no. Drop. It's perfect. It sounds I'm, now I'm it sounds like I'm plugging. It's like, no, we'll get to it. You know, I just completely. But yeah. I am just such a big fan of your body of work. Let's uh, uh, let's talk about a, a day, handful yes. of things. I think I was first exposed to you in the. <laughs> you first exposed yourself. I exposed to me. myself to you, and I, I want to say sorry. I'm sorry. I've actually never. I'm glad we're doing that off the top on air. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Netflix series, The Characters, is just a brilliant. Um, series i'm i'm sad that so far there's only been one season but it was my introduction one to and you. done <laughs> yeah and you are just so amazing on that not only in your episode which is focused on your character work but you also pop up in john early's episode yes and and have like so many amazing one-off lines in that <laughs> um you are quoted constantly in my household um we always say oh like, my god Wow, to have dropped it in that moment. <laughs> or wow. Combos. The way you say the <laughs> word combos. Talking you about are those killing me over cheese-filled here. crackers. Um wh- what has it been like? Um y- you're an actress, you're a do you do you use actress or actor? I like I to... love actress. I love the <laughs> the grammar the... of that. Why else did I get into this goddamn industry? <laughs> You're also um, a stand-up comedian, um, but I'm I, I'm in the renaissance of Kate Berlant, the the <laughs> character actor. How did that come about? Um, being a part of that Netflix series, the characters. I got the call. Um, no, but I <laughs> I was actually snaking my way up the California coast. Um, and no, I mean I I was very nervous 
initially for that because I don't have characters on ice, as I like to say. <laughs> I um, so so you know, I was like, okay, do this thing. The kind of requirements are you have to portray at least five characters. It's a half hour thing, and I just was kind of. I truly, my first instinct was to turn it down because I was scared because I was just like, I I can't me <laughs> a show, and so, um, but. Yeah, it, it just sort of came to me and it was very fun. And the it was a very fast, like semi-chaotic chaotic process, which I recognize now is probably my favorite way to work, meaning <laughs> it was kind of like, okay, so you have to write it now. And the shoot <laughs> itself was like two days, like two and a half days. So wow. it was very, but it was so fun. And it was, of course, a dream just to get to do something like that. And um the end and then and then never <laughs> nary a credit since so it's very no but it was yeah that's and john i was in john's john was in mine like it's i mean he's my best friend and you know we kind of yeah. can't help but be in each other's stuff yeah um do you want to describe um succinctly what the characters is um for newcomers the, the or show, I can. <laughs> the show well the show was kind of an experiment by netflix i suppose that um they could not continue due to, I guess, the budgetary constrictions that they have as a network. <laughs> but um, it was the, the idea is, I think, seven comedians and everyone gets their own half hour character special. And um, you might like I think Tim Robinson, who went on to have a Netflix um, sketch show. I love him. And which you are also in and is one of my favorite. Almost sketches. forgot. Almost <laughs> forgot. Not kidding. Um, yes. No. Uh, yes. I loved him. And. And so, yeah, everyone just kind of did their own thing. There was a massive amount of creative freedom. Andrew Gaynard, uh, who's a British director, he did all of them. And yeah, it was very dreamy. And kind of the f- the first time I had any kind of actual resources at my disposal. It's it's amazing. And yours your episode is um, unique. And all the other episodes, the characters might kind of cross paths. Um, but it's a lot of like individual sketches, whereas your whole episode is centered around one really amazing character. Um, <laughs> her name is Denise St. Roy, and it's based off of the artist. Perfect example, um, by the way, to interrupt <laughs> you of like yeah. a name. You're like, I'll change this later. And you just never do. That's <laughs> like a first draft. First I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm like, I'll think of a better one. Uh, I feel like, and I'm like, oh, that's just so much of what making anything is. You're like, I'll clean this up. And this is just the working version. And then it's like, you're on the road with it for 18 years. But uh, sorry, continue. No, um, it's it's just a, a brilliant character based off of Marina Abramovich. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Uh, yes, yes. Just, just Marina Abramovich. An artist Abramovich. like that. Yes. An artist of um, stature. I um I just I, I've watched it so many times because never have I seen um a physical representation of what going to art school is like. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I ha- I have a BFA in theater, and you know I mostly interacted with the theater department. You have a master's in uh, I- I'm guessing theater. Yes. <laughs> Here it comes. Rejected from acting school across the board. No. Uh, yes, rejected. <laughs> My Laramie Project monologue did not take. And um, I have a master's in performance studies, which is like a mm. very kind of, which is an academic program. It's yes. Like, it's so um, yeah, not formally trained in acting. <laughs> so I I. I mean, I disagree because if Thank you, you. <laughs> if you no, training studied- would have ruined me. That's my new <laughs> approach. It would have ruined me. Um, but, yeah, but I would love to, to take an acting class. <laughs> well, to know the academic side of it, I think it really shows in your work, um, especially with this character. Um, for me, going to art school was like going to learn about the craft of acting while also having to deal with the egos of all the other you know, aspiring actors. Was it a crying competition? Absolutely. Which by the way, is a, is a crutch that I've definitely fallen prey to <laughs> of like in a moment of being like, I'm crying. Like John and, and my John, Andy DeYoung, who's a director that we work with a lot. We did this series of shorts called five, five, five. And in them, there's one in which I cry. By the way, I don't like break down, but there's some tears. And as it was happening, I was like, the tears are coming. The tears are coming. We're rolling. Here we go. Oh my God, my career. And it's like a very, self-conscious moment of like 
I just internally was like, I'm privately congratulating myself for having cried. It's like, I do comedy and I can cry, you know? <laughs> and so I think that's that's something I'm always kind of terrified of in myself is the desire to be taken seriously and the desire to cry on camera. <laughs> I I can relate. I um I I did the Jinx and Dela holiday special with Ben de la Creme. And we had a scene. It was supposed to be kind of this like turning point in the film. And it was a flashback to um, um, my, me and my mother the night that I realized that Santa Claus wasn't real. So we had a child actor playing young Jinx and I played my mother. And it was and it was played not for laughs. It was originally written as a mommy dearest spoof scene. But we decided to go for the earnestness in it. And I got to myself to this place where I was just bawling on the floor with this broken bicycle pieces all around me. There's the and training, for- <laughs> honey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For four hours, I was just, um, you know, sitting on the floor playing my mom, sobbing. <gasps> um, and the whole oh. scene was cut from the <laughs> cut from the film. <laughs> oh my god! By the way, the therapy of playing one's own mother is like oh, vastly it, helpful. I, I would imagine. I think it was uh, the period at the end of a very long sentence <laughs> yes, <laughs> in, yes. in my um, in my relationship with my mother. Um, so I, I, I get that. Wow. This idea that like you're not really doing your job until you've cried on screen. So. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, we need the outtakes. That sounds it really exists magnificent. somewhere. Yeah. I've yet to get to watch it, but um, since he's come up quite a few times, I want to talk about your um, your friendship with John Early and the 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 continuing collaboration we see out of the two of you. How did this relationship begin, and um, how do you manage to keep uh, working together? Do you do you he's have impossible. a impossible? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm sure you've heard. Just that ugly. You know when someone's like just ugly inside and out. You know, when, when you kind of, I know we, you know, oh, the soul isn't reflected in the face, but he is a monster. No, um, yes, John and I met. It's funny because John and I, okay, John John went to acting school, as you can clearly tell. And um, he's very well trained. He's a magnificent actor. And I say that only to say we did not go to school together because people often assume that we did. And there was this mm-hmm. sort of thing of, we kind of like fell in love very hard and very fast. And there was this kind of assumption like, oh, you both grew up together. We've known each other for many years because we also, when we met each other, had this like already shared comedic language that was very kind of surreal. Like we were really, um, there was like a twin energy yeah. <laughs> in moments. And we met uh, on, on the set of a short film. It's a very New York love story. <laughs> um, and it was a... We had messaged a little bit on Facebook Messenger. Of course, I no longer am a member, but um, <laughs> but continue to support Instagram and every other techno-fascist uh, industry. But we had messaged a little bit, and then we were on the set of the short film, and it was just like we were like instantly attached. And I remember mm-hmm. immediately, and then you know it was the thing of like that night being like separating at Grand Central, being like. see you later and then we texted until like 4 a.m and then it began just like a very intense he would come over to my apartment in new york and he would stay till 4 a.m and then one night it was like you should just sleep over and then it was like years of like john basically sleeping in my bed i was like why won't anyone (laughs) kiss me like why can't i get laid um and yeah we just started making videos and um here we are, you know, still trying to get a show off the ground. Hollywood's tough, let me tell you. We've had, yeah. We're lucky enough to have filmed a failed pilot, and we were actually <laughs> on the way to film another pilot, like the week that COVID hit, and then everything dissolved. So now we're back at the drawing board, and, you know, you just got to keep fighting. Well, I mean, it's working because I feel like I've I've seen you many, many places in the last handful of years, and every time I get excited. Um, I just find both you and John – you know, talking about having, um, you know, your educational background, I think it just shows so clearly and authentically in your work. Um, and I, 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 I don't know what it's like to watch it as a non like art school student, because to me, I feel like you're speaking directly to me. And then I wonder, like, if someone who went to business school watches it, like, do the jokes resonate the same way? But I have to imagine they do, because 
I think as an outsider looking in, you probably just think, oh, these are crazy people. These people don't exist yeah. in the real world, but they do. And they all teach at art school. <laughs> you encounter them one way or another, either within the within art school or, you know, at the airport. I think some of the best work out there comes from duos, you know, almost like the best work can't be done by one person. That person yeah. needs needs to have their um, you think of like um, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. Not that I want to like give a bunch of airtime to um, I mean, uh, we, to South we Park bless right the now. work. We bless the work. Yeah. <laughs> no. But um, there's just, uh, you know, and I find myself constantly in partnerships. I, I don't do anything on my own because yeah. I don't think anything would get done if it all fell to me. I feel <laughs> so. that very deeply. Yeah. Do you ever grapple with like, um, do you uh, do you two ever feel competitive against each other? Or is How there like a, a clause in your contract <laughs> where it's like, if I get cast, you have to give um, John a part somewhere in there? <laughs> oh, my God. We, you know, like it sounds like I'm making this up, but truly miraculously, like there hasn't been. We, we always joke like one day we'll sue each other because like, always <laughs> this thing of like, you know, in 20 years, like we'll have this huge falling out. I mean, the, the thought of it makes me like so sad. It won't happen. We've truly been like, we will go to deep couples therapy before we ever let the friendship dissolve. Yeah. But um, no, I, I, I feel like John and John was sort of my first, you know, as an adult, my first collaborator in a in the strict sense, because I was doing stand up in New York for years. And it's a very solitary like mm -hmm. you're around people constantly, but you're it's deeply solitary or just individual. And so meeting John and getting to make things with him. I'm suddenly, have I like erased violently a previous collaborator from like my youth? <laughs> I'm like, John, it was only John. Um, but I, I'm, I'm with you as far as collaborating. And I think even people who maybe don't so, you know, clearly collaborate, have deep collaborative generative friendships or, I mean, mm -hmm. yeah, you, how can you possibly do it alone? And, and collaborating with, um, like my one of my oldest friends, Jacqueline Novak, Novak and I just started a podcast and it's it's just the most fun way to do anything is with your friends. And so I think it's really yeah. enjoyable when we get to watch that friendship captured in, in art and in work. You know, I think about Alana Glazer and Abby Jacobson and that show being Broad City being based on their like real life friendship at yeah. least that's the story i've told myself you know absolutely <laughs> and the fact that they write it and they uh, you know they direct it and i think that's when you get the best work is when you let two people um run every facet of it you know <laughs> when they're doing the writing and the directing and the acting there's not as many like um non-creatives trying to like stick their own opinions in where they don't belong you know totally no i think it's like trite to say but we talk about like good tv or good movies or anything and it's like the vision the singular vision the point of view and those things are thrown around and they've been kind of rendered like meaningless at this point but it's true you know and i think yeah. <laughs> you're right it's like yeah when you can actually locate like a, a certain language or a certain um point of view it's it's thrilling of course no examples come to mind um <laughs> i'm like like um art i love that i'm now blank there's nothing but yeah, collaborating really helps. And as you said, get things done. It's like truly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I collaborate with, with one of my oldest best friends who's a writer um, named Sammy Birch. And we have like very complimentary. I'm like, we have very complimentary skills, meaning she's an incredible writer and <laughs> I cannot bring myself to write. <laughs> like, like writing is hell. It is so hard. She has this like, un she's just like, a very pure writer. She can just like mm -hmm. actually do it and it's like beautiful and it works. And I have calcified, my brain is calcified with ADD to the point <laughs> of no return. And even it Adderall sounds, can't help. It sounds like you and I um, fill the similar roles. Like with Ben de la Creme, she has to do all the structured stuff. And yes. then, but, but then she gets to the wall 
where she's like, okay, I know what the scene needs to be. And I know how we're going to get to the end of this scene, but I have no idea what we're going to say in the scene. So then we get together and just shoot the shit and like bounce ideas off of each other. Totally. And I feel like I'm writing when all I'm doing is just sitting there and improving with my friend. Yeah. But that's what works. That you know? is writing. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, that's my stand up. I mean, I, I write down things, of course, but for the most part, everything that I like do came out of improvising. Like, yeah, that's OK. We <laughs> are <okay>. here. <laughs> we are valid. <laughs> I've experienced this um, in my own uh, life as a, a notable performer. I, I don't know what words to use. You know, whenever I say the word celebrity, I'm like, who the fuck are you kidding? You know? Take it. <laughs> like, wear, wear it. You burned it. Um, but I think we're at this point now and largely due to social media where um, very few people can get away with just being an, an entertainer. You know, once you have a platform, once you have an audience, um, it's now kind of expected to have um, political opinions, to have stances on things. Um, to be, to run for office, I would argue, <laughs> actually goes beyond just having an opinion. You have to be yeah. a politician. Yeah. <laughs> but as an entertainer, um, you know, uh, people want to know that they're supporting an artist whose values um, line up with what they uh, they want to support in life. How have you found m mitigating the role of being an artist and an entertainer, but also an advocate and a and a you know a, a, a social justice oh my human God. being? I'm on the front lines. The work I've done, the people whose lives I've changed. I think about my bravery and the work I've done. No, it's like I'm always thinking about this this moment that we're in, and 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 I'm. Because I consider myself, like, I want to be clear, like, having done the bare minimum. Like, I'm horrified mm -hmm. for anyone to conflate, like, my Instagram posts <laughs> or, like, you know, some fundraising with, like, I'm a beacon of light and I'm here to educate. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, I mean, yeah, because, cause, um, I like, I don't know. I think I've, the sort of, particularly just, you know, in the last several years and everything and kind of my own kind of skeletal education or like learning about like the DSA and being like, oh, wow. And, and kind of it being sort of a, a process and an education. That's how I want to approach it is like, yeah. I never ever would suggest that I am an, an educator or someone. I think that I'm really inspired by organizers and organizing and like local organizers who I look at their work and look at what they do. And I'm like very inspired by that. And yeah, um, would love to, I don't know, in my own kind of amateurism, maybe help people feel like, oh, participating in that is not so scary or intimidating because it's so yeah. scary to feel like you don't have the correct words. You don't know exactly how to talk about. Um, yeah, I think yeah. a lot of people get scared away from talking about important things because they're afraid of using the correct words. Now, First of all, we all have magic wands in our hands called our smartphones. So if you want to be educated on something, the only person stopping you is yourself. <laughs> yes, yes. But I know that um, I really didn't try to talk about politics or about social issues early on. And then there was an election uh, <laughs> in 2016 that I always say forced my hand. And Yes, um, totally forced me to give a shit and now I can't turn it off now I'm like you know I see injustice and I'm like fuck everyone who doesn't agree with, <laughs> with yes. progress you know yes um but it is a daunting thing because it's like half the time people are saying we need to know how you think about this and then half the time people are saying shut up and just be funny you know so yeah. it's this it's this weird thing that um because of social media I feel like we to be oh. in the public eye at all, you have to be. But I think you said it best. If you are continuing your own education, um, that's the, the best way to approach it, because anyone who thinks that they're an authority on everything is probably, you know, totally. An yeah. Or just like it's <laughs> slow and like clumsy. And I think like like someone like Z-Way, who like so brilliantly, like the thesis of her like Instagram mm -hmm. live show is kind of like 
or me defining her thesis for her <laughs> and therefore further uh, defining the thesis of her show. But um, I just mean this idea of like words will fail you. Like we will get caught. Like there's perfection cannot be the goal. <laughs> like yeah. perfection is the enemy of good. Right. So it's sort of like in um, being so scared to, to talk or try, we might, you know, fall into just being really apathetic or passive or, you know, we lose people along the way who maybe could really be of use to a common cause. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an ongoing conversation and I don't even have answers to it, but it's, it's, it is very real. And like you said, social media is kind of creates it and it's, it's hard because social media, of course, there's like kind of beautiful ways it's mobilized people or, you know, it's done so much, but it's also the devil. And so yeah. it's like a very <laughs> difficult thing to participate in that system and kind of try to well, preserve think- your humanity. I think you're allowed to say, I mean, I think you're better for saying you don't have all the answers and you don't know how to tell people how to be a good advocate, but you can tell when someone is, I think context is everything. You can tell when someone is for progress and for making the world a better place and you can tell when someone's against it. And I think, um, you know, we, I think we have room for people to learn as long as it's in the effort of being better. You know, <laughs> I, totally. I would say I should hope so. I mean, it's like we have to let. I mean, I would hope to to be given that kind of forgiveness for something. I, I mean, imagine if I'm like, <laughs> there are some tweets that are going to surface. <laughs> you know, <laughs> there are some well, tweets. Um, no, but uh, you know, there's certainly like, yeah, we. We're, we're all, um, you know, we're all not perfect. We all have to learn and face the ugly parts of ourselves. <laughs> well, and I think that you um, you lead by example in your comedy and, and the work that you do, because I've been citing you a lot recently and I've told you this, um, but I really enjoy your your comedy being so character driven, at least in, you know, the like um, the TV work I've seen you do. Um is funny without punching down. And I think that's what a lot of comedians are complaining about these days. It's like, oh, with everyone being politically correct and being socially active and all this stuff, where's the room for comedy? It's like, um, if you think comedy only exists in degrading people, yeah. then, <laughs> then God, no. yeah, you're going to yeah. have a hard time. But I always say, if Kate Berlant can be funny telling the time and teaching people <laughs> how to tell time Aww. and no one... No, no one but no one is the butt of that joke uh, if anything your character yes, this, yes. this arrogant um uh authority time teller. Uh, <laughs> arrogant time teller she's the butt of the joke and i'm yeah. like that's that's funny without oh my gosh <laughs> uh degrading marginalized people who knew, who I, knew I, mean, that I, comedy existed? Yeah. <laughs> I know no totally and i i feel like that has always like the performers or people that I've, you know, loved or something, I think, um, yeah, like kind of the kind, not, I mean, it's so like grotesque, kind comedy, but you, yeah. but you know what I mean? But I think, um, I'm, I'm glad that you, that you feel that way. And I think also just naturally what I'm drawn to are like kind of absurdities or qualities. And, and then if anyone is getting, if anyone's being mocked, it's like me, it's the character yeah. for their own kind of, yeah. um, or like with like that, that the character and the the character and the characters I think of anything like it's embarrassing because she's just is so scared of being perceived as anything except fascinating and yeah you know which I can't it, relate to yeah <laughs> it's a that episode is just really great commentary on the industry of creating art and this person who is striving to be seen as like a revolutionary eccentric but then is also a corporate whore. Yes, know? yes, yeah. yeah. And her just trying to mitigate, like she knows what she is, but she's working so hard at not being a corporate whore while she just continues to whore out to <laughs> I'm going to rewatch. John and I the other day were saying like, we got to because it's been, that was also the first time just like in a, that I had been like so involved in editing or like sound mm-hmm. editing, like these things I had never really thought about before. And I felt so precious about it. And then the final product, you know, like wasn't, perf- you know, you know, like there were things <laughs> that we didn't have time for or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can't watch this horse shit. You oh. know what I mean? like, and so I haven't not, I, I felt proud of it. I was excited, but I, it's something I haven't looked at in so long. And even 
I don't know. Sometimes the more distance you get from something you made, like the scarier it becomes. And um, <laughs> no, I'm gonna, I hear I'm you. Watch I it, can't yeah. watch. I can't watch my season of Drag Race because it gives me PTSD, and I want to oh shake that twenty-four-year-old twink around and be like, "Shut up! Oh. Shut up!" <laughs> <laughs> Wait, where did you go to art school, by the way? Cornish College in Seattle. I definitely. Um, I think I. I know I applied and was and probably rejected. <laughs> I applied to like 672 schools. It was one of those things where I kind of, I feel like I went um, when it was exactly what I needed from art school. I had a teacher once say to me, and she's, she was, ended up being my favorite teacher and is now like my theater mentor in life. Um, but she said to me one day, it was like um, midterms and we were presenting what we had ready for our animal project where we had to embody an animal of course. Um, and create a movement piece based on that animal. And so I had two weeks before the final and um, I showed her what I had and she said, wow, nothing about this works. I think you're <gasps> going to have to start completely um, from scratch. You're going to have to throw all this out and start over. And then she looked at me and said, what a fun journey for you. Oh, and then nodded wow. and walked away. And I was so upset by that, but... I became, it was like I had a vendetta from that point on to do the best animal project she had ever seen. Of and course. Then now she does cite it as uh, the best you. animal project she's ever seen. It was me as and a I'm cow. And I'm sure so proud now. <laughs> really? That's, yeah. oh. For me, I don't think I would have left the school with the tools that I now use as a performer if there weren't people telling me when I sucked. You know, if there were people telling me this didn't work at all and you need to start over. Yeah. Because it allowed me to not be so precious in my work now that I, you know, write a lot of my own work. So a real tough lesson (laughs) to learn. I'm like, have I ever been criticized? I mean, yes, of course. But I just mean, I mean, that's like the thing of not to get all romantic about stand up, but like it hurts when they don't laugh. You know, like I think that's like another like there's a roaring the silence of like. You know, I think about those early days, you know, it was an honor to bomb in the basement of Maui Taco in Midtown, you know, but truly like I think there there is something about like the supreme humiliation of starting out doing stand up that did serve me ultimately. Because you can then um, you can then have a vendetta to like to be or you just have to better insist. than everyone. You have yeah. to be like, no, like this is good. Or, like I I am doing, you know, it, like it, it it forces you to force something down their throats. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a hearty amount of rejection is what really tempers you and galvanizes you to be an effective artist. You know, I think about these celebrities who become celebrities from social media and uh, you can say like training is whatever. There's plenty of people who are very effective artists who didn't have training in that field. So I don't think it's the training or the the art school that makes good artists. Yeah. But it is the rejection and it is the brutal honesty that makes you prepared to go fear. out and be an artist in the world. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and the fear. <laughs> yeah, truly. Yeah. I, I say this with drag, too, because, um, you know, I started drag at age 15. So that's 18 years ago, oh. well before Drag Race existed. And so much of my work was in dive bars you know, getting paid in crumpled up sweaty ones that were stuffed down my bra and performing, you know, to five Do you have a people. fake ID? <laughs> like, no, how did you get in? they just didn't card me in drag. I've always looked much older. Oh, my God. They just didn't care. I had a fake ID to start stand-up. That's why I asked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't I didn't need one. I, yeah. I, I've just always looked like a 40-year-old woman <laughs> um, from the beginning. Um but I also I just feel like those days of like really crawling through the muck is what helped me be an effective artist today. And I think um, I, I think you can synthesize that in other ways. You don't necessarily have to put yourself in those terrible situations to be an yeah. effective artist. But it is a good shortcut. <laughs> and the stories. Do you romanticize that time now? Because I've suddenly like feel old in this way where I'm like looking I'm like. Those years grinding. Oh, Absolutely. I didn't know how good I you know, like right in a subway. I mean, truly, like I, I do long for that time or deeply romanticize it now. There was, I think there was something freeing about working my ass off when no one was watching. Absolutely. You know? And social media. I mean, that is something I feel grateful for. I'm like, oh my God, I'm so glad I got to do years of stand up 
without an Instagram account or a Twitter account. Yeah. Truly. And um, I, I just got so many, I got so many opportunities to try things that failed so that I then could hone in on what worked. Yes. And I think, you know, nowadays, now that everyone's watching and everyone's filming and then putting it up online and everyone, uh, you know, social media gives everyone the idea that their opinion must be heard. Um, yes. <laughs> you don't want to put anything out until you know it's perfect. It's scary. And I miss the days of just like fucking around with something and not giving a shit if it completely bombed. Throwing um, it against the wall and seeing what sticks. Let me tell you, that's <laughs> that's how artists are made. What are a couple of your favorite projects? We've talked about 555, which is a Vimeo series. Oh. Um, we've talked about the characters. You're on that episode of um, I Think You Should Leave with Tim oh, Robinson. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, my work, my work. I mean, yeah, there's things that have like, it's the weird kind of situation when you make things and then like you work really hard and no one sees it and it's like it didn't even happen. You're like, oh, all, that, all those years. But there's two years of that and no, nothing to show for it. Interesting. And so I am excited that hopefully sooner than later, um, a stand-up special that I did make pre-COVID will be will be out. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, nothing on the airwaves yet that I can point to as loving. Um, not that I would ever be so bold to say that I love my own stand-up. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, yeah, like the videos that I make with, that I've made with John, like remain kind of my favorite things of mine. And I mean... God, it feel I was like I realized that I haven't gone this long without doing stand up since I was seventeen, and it mm-hmm. is like very um, strange. I'm kind of like it's kind of been nice this year to be like, okay, I can still I don't dissolve without the stage. Like it's not like I'm, yeah, like, you know, like oh yeah, yeah, of course I have like a personhood beyond that, yeah, um, that can sustain me. But I'm excited to to get back back on stage again. Is this me just unable to name a single credit of anything I like? I'm like um. <laughs> That's fine. I, I not that I, I don't like things I've done, but uh, or, I have I this know. thing of I watch something I've created like you know ten times in a row right after I do it, and then I never want to watch it again. Yeah, like I want to, I want to pick it apart. I want to think about what I wish had gone differently, or what I would have done differently if I had like another two weeks to work on it. And then I let it go forever. And then when people tell me they like it, you know, years later, I'm like, what? You like that? <laughs> How trash? Yeah. <laughs> that that yes. garbage I shout out for you. <laughs> um, are you excited to get back to, do you plan on going back to um, stand up and touring? Um, yeah, whenever. When we're able to? Yeah, when, when it's real. I mean, it's now things are kind of starting to be planned so far in advance that I'm mm-hmm. looking at like 2022, you know, for mm-hmm. things. It's like, oh, well, by then, you know. So, yeah, it still feels kind of distantly in the future. I'm sure, I don't know, I'll either feel like deeply kind of like, oh, I just was doing this a second ago or I'll like weep in my car after. Like, I, I'm not <laughs> sure how it'll feel to to perform yeah. again, but I will certainly be on the road as soon as caperland.com actually don't go to it i haven't updated it in five years but um but i i can't wait to to tour again i mean it's like that's my favorite thing to do really is stand up do you prefer live performance to to filmed work as soon as the words left my mouth stand up's my favorite thing i'm like (laughs) i'm an actress god damn it no i i i I love uh i i don't really have a favorite i mean um no i don't (laughs) <laughs> they're, you know, I've truly nothing nuanced to say. I'm like, they're different. <laughs> yeah, <it's> like, <laughs> yeah. They're both parts of me. But yeah, I think the the immediacy of stand up of being able to just like do it and there's a response and then you did it is really liberating, particularly with, you know, trying to make TV or movies where so many other people are in charge and you have to wait a long time. And it's a completely yeah. different experience. I mean, it's real. And I've been talking to a lot of people in in my field about um you know, performing for a computer screen or performing for, you know, your iPhone or whatever. And there's no give and take, you know, (laughs) and and I don't look at the chat because that'll throw me off. So it's like, um, but it's not just the laughter and it's not just the applause. It's the having something 
to show for it at the end. Like you're you're drenched in sweat and your costume is rumpled. <laughs> and it's like there's this thing about like now I do a show and then it's done and I close my laptop and I'm just sitting alone in a in, in a room in my house. And I'm like, there's no post show like gabbing with the other Devastating. With, like, the tech crew and and. <sighs> You know, the post-show drinks used to be my favorite. I don't drink anymore, but I still like like to attend the post-show drinks. You know, that's the best time when everyone, especially, I don't know if you've ever been to Provincetown, but Provincetown is where, you know, cabaret performers, it's the one place where like movie stars and TV stars and Broadway stars and drag queens all coalesce on this one street and we all do our shows and then all the shows are done and we meet up at one bar and it's like this random assemblance of of all these different people in entertainment sitting and sharing war stories about their worst shows and their best shows and what happened that night and who walked out and you know did you have to fight with the producer that evening and that's I think the thing I'm missing the most of course (laughs) I mean that's like the meaning of life and also (laughs) why you do it yeah yeah it's like it's a you know essentially social activity and so it's very weird I mean I haven't done any stand-up shows in zoom I've -hmm. done some like lives or some kind of like I do a show where I do these like fake psychic readings and I did a couple of fundraisers for that, which really was fun and felt like, oh, this kind of makes sense for the medium. Like mm-hmm. I can kind of do this on a screen, but in terms of actually like performing, I just, I didn't even attempt it really because it scared me so much or it just made me feel like performing into a vacuum or yeah. It it has, I mean, it's it's been oddly more anxiety inducing than than live shows yeah i think part of it is like if there's a chat i can see people talking and one time i was doing this live show and a conversation was going on in the chat about nothing i was talking about like they weren't even like riffing off of what i was talking about they were having a completely like mexico city rex (laughs) yeah and I was like, this is the equivalent to like if you were just in my audience, just talking full volume. Yes. Well, all your like all the tools that you've spent, you know, years sharpening. It's like they're just kind of. Yes, of course, some of that comes through the, a Zoom screen or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can do that. But so much of it is like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's like a there's like a powerlessness or a feeling of just being so. Yeah. Like it's a totally different language. Yeah. Well, I am. I'm ready to get back at it. Um, I'm excited for what the future holds. Do you, you have know? a favorite city <laughs> to perform in? Um, I would. Is that an annoying question? I guess I would say London, mm. um, just yes. because I've 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 felt that like my audiences in the UK get me in a in a different way than and and that's weird saying as an American. Yeah. <laughs> but like I'll take the same show to New York and Provincetown and London and London is typically like one of my favorite places wow. to perform. Where do you perform um, in London? Um it's the Leicester Square Theater. So they they're it's they're a venue that like a a lot of different things like uh, stand-up comedy will happen there. Um, Drunk Shakespeare where they have, mm. <laughs> I've never seen one of the shows, but I get to be in my dressing room, like listening to the show happening. That's so but they cozy. Take Shakespeare plays and one actor in the cast is actually shit faced on stage. And the rest of the cast has to keep the play moving that while one actor really is comp- fun. <laughs> that sounds so great. Fun. I've never heard of that. Wow. <laughs> I love London. I, I it was one of my last real, I was doing a, I've done a couple runs at the Soho Theater mm-hmm. there, and I had done that at the end of 2019, and then all hell broke loose. Yeah. Um, but uh, Soho Theater, that's where we started, and they actually produce our shows at the Leicester Square. But oh, cool. um, the Soho space is amazing. Um, this is one of my favorite um, London stories that Jennifer Saunders is like a huge, another oh. famous duo, French and Saunders, and then. Um, I mean, uh, the most divine. <laughs> and then uh, Jennifer and Joanna on AbFab. But she's been one of the biggest um, influences in my comedy work since I was a small child. And my oh, mom brought well, back. I mean, to say John as well. That's like how I came. Oh, to yeah. AbFab. It was like through John. John is like has encyclopedic knowledge of their work and is like major. So continue. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I've been watching it since I was like, I feel like seven or eight years old. My mom brought it back after she went on a trip to um, England and she brought back a bunch of British comedy television back when it was VHS and you oh had to get it God. reformatted for American VCRs. Oh. Uh, <laughs> so exotic. I was um, performing in the basement space in the Soho and yeah. um, uh, Jennifer, uh, Jennifer Saunders's husband was performing upstairs and I had no idea she was in the building and I came in I'm walking down the stairs to my space as she's walking down the stairs from the upstairs space and we missed each other by two seconds on the stairs and it was the only chance so far that I've ever had to meet her in person and now I call like Chris Colfer and I'm like will you tell Jennifer that I like the latest sketch she put out yes you have to you have to get in touch I'm sure she'd be very moved talked a lot about your work but let's get to know about you kate (gasps) what's your star sign (laughs) Ooh, i'm a cancer a cancer on society yeah Uh, yeah. (laughs) aries moon sag rising Uh oh um (laughs) but uh yeah i'm just a sensitive little cancer aries cancer and sagittarius that's um that's a lot of very stubborn star signs do you find yourself stubborn are you grouchy i can get i mean (laughs) um yeah (laughs) no i think i um i don't uh i wouldn't say that i'm you know grouchy to people or that i take it out on people but i absolutely get let's just say i need a cat snack in my purse okay (laughs) I, i do get very um i can get I can get angry, but it's usually just directed toward myself. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. Am I stubborn? I guess. I don't know if that's like one of my defining negative qualities. <laughs> but uh, and I, I don't really know that much about astrology, but I I've picked up enough pieces to definitely be very interested and to kind of see like, oh, yeah, so there, there's there's definitely some stuff there. But see, I don't even know like, if I asked you, like, what's your star sign? Well, what is your what what, what are you dealing with? I'm a Virgo, and mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty much your your quintessential Virgo. See, I don't even know. See, I'm such a Philistine. I don't really know what that even means. Like, what's it a quintessential really, Virgo? You know, you know what it is? Is that everyone is every star sign? You know, of course. Like, it's I. I like which astrology. is useful. It's yeah. useful. Yeah. I like astrology for the fact that it's so malleable and it really only has as much weight in our lives as we choose to give it. But um, because I like studying it, just like it's like studying Greek mythology. It's like Greek mythology doesn't govern my life, but I do know, uh, you know, all the sirens names and And archetypes are powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I would say I'm the quintessential Virgo because... If it's like, uh, if I'm running 20 minutes late, if I'm running an hour late, but I show up and everyone else isn't ready, I'm yeah. furious that they're not ready, especially because they had the extra time of me. You know, like of I have course. the excuse of it takes me two and a half hours to become a beautiful woman. Um, why aren't the lights hung? Why aren't the microphones ready? I'm, I'm <laughs> with you, honestly. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Would you consider yourself spiritual? I would. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's one of the benefits of COVID. You just, you have to turn to God at this point. Um, you have to reach for higher power. Um, so yeah, I have my own relationship with the God of my understanding, so to speak. <laughs> Were you raised um, religious? No, not at all. And I think that's what gave me kind of the deep desire for it was I wanted mm-hmm. to, I wanted the ritual and the theater of like temple or church or God damn anything. I mean, I was raised, my dad is Jewish and I was raised with a very kind of like, we're Jews, like that identity. And I, <laughs> I'm a Hebrew school dropout. I was cast mm-hmm. in Steel Magnolias. Where's that song in Greece? I know. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, oh, I dropped out of Hebrew school because I got cast in Steel Magnolias. And I was like, mom, I don't have time for Torah and to play Truvy, <laughs> give, give her what she deserves. And so- I dropped out, but I, I mean, I went to like, I was a counselor at a Christian camp at one point, which is <laughs> wild and went to one. I've always been very, I guess, interested in 
religion, but most more so like for the kind of ritual and theater of it and kind of those elements. And I'm I'm lucky that I, I don't have any kind of negative associations like God, that word kind of I wasn't raised with religion in a way that mm-hmm. was um, violent and demeaning. So to my personhood. So I'm able to kind of <laughs> like uh, be sort of fascinated from a from a certain distance. But uh, yeah, I'm I think that makes spiritual perfect yeah. sense. I, I think the I was raised like um, holiday Catholics. You know, we never went to church unless there was like some reason to go. And um, no one in my family practiced any kind of religion. They just said were religious, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was, it, uh, and it was nowhere an example in my life. I always say I was raised by um, a coven of witches who I self-identified as Catholic, but what they did was witchcraft because all of the stuff from the Catholic religion that they actually practiced was like superstition and mm. stuff that the Catholic church kind of co-opted from paganism. Yeah. And my mom used to always like warn me about the the evils of cults and, um, you know, devil worshipers and stuff. She would tell me like not to practice witchcraft and she would tell me not to play Dungeons and Dragons. And then we'd stop at a cemetery so she could grab some scrapings off of a tombstone so that she could win the lottery. And it was incredible. Like... <laughs> yeah, ma'am. Yeah, <laughs> totally. No, we all need some some magic and some like, you know. I, I would love to. I don't know if I'd love to scrape shavings off a tombstone. I've never heard that one. But um, uh, yeah, there's there's magic to be had in yeah. the world. Yeah. Yeah. And especially, you know, like I think what we're learning across the board these days is everything can be the way you want to define it for yourself. Society tells us that everything is like hard, fast and defined for us, you know, like gender roles, um, sexuality, your gender presentation, your identity, um, that's all decided for you. But that's actually a myth because like, if you can't decide it for yourself, then what are we all doing here? You know? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's um, much scarier to realize we can make it up as we go and it can change. And then suddenly you're someone that you weren't and never you're everything's different. Yeah. It's, um, it's true. Yeah. Um, well, I have to ask um, my final question. Um, do you have a celebrity crush or celebrity crushes? And who are those today? <laughs> I love that. Somebody asked me, a celebrity crush, I've always frozen at this. Why? Um, <laughs> well, I did just watch the Fran Leibowitz. I mean, I love Fran Leibowitz and I have mm-hmm. for years, you know, pre the Netflix <laughs> miniseries, which I have issues with. But um, <laughs> she like truly is a celebrity crush of mine. And then, okay, who else is like a celebrity crush? Um, this the silence we edited out, of course, as I search. Um, um, yeah, I'm like, okay, I love when I come out with Fran Leibowitz, and then who's who's the who's, who's the who's the yin to that? Um, I don't know where this came from. Literally, Jeff Bridges just popped into my head, but I'm picking another one. I don't know why. <laughs> Truly because he once gave a very charming Oscar acceptance speech. That's why. Okay. that's the, I'm not counting Jeff Bridges. Um, I'm struggling. Why is it hard? You throw, throw, you throw out some classic celebrity crushes at me. Oh, you know. Well, I'll tell you, my, my go-tos are like, um, my go-tos are, they run the gamut. Um, I'm always attracted to Andy Samberg, um, Eric Andre, Gorgeous. Pete Davidson. Um, I was, uh, I've been attracted to Steve-O since I was a teenager. I don't know why. Um, I was really into, um, <laughs> ba- what's his name? Start to the B. I loved Wild Boys, the show that's the spinoff of um, Jackass. Oh, um, oh. Start to the B. Oh, my Bam. God. Bam. They're saying it in the chat. Our producers came in. Thank Bam. you. I thought Bam. Bam was sexy. Yeah. I I never watched Jackass or any of those shows. Wild Boys was underrated. <laughs> Wild Boys is just a nature show. It's like them doing crazy <laughs> things with, like, tigers. And it gets very scary. Um, yeah. But I do remember I thought. I should be watching this every time I saw a clip of like Steve-O in that leopard print thong, like being shot in the ass with a BB gun. Of course. Like, why, why don't I watch this? Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you can revisit it now on Blu-ray, but um, why am I? It's, I, I want to unpack why I'm frozen in the face of the question of celebrity crush. That's, maybe, maybe quarantine has killed your sex drive. 
Wish I could say that, huh? Um, uh, God damn. You know, I rewatched the movie Mermaids last night, which was huge oh, for such me. such a good movie. When I was little, like, um, and I, it was that amazing thing of when you watch a movie you haven't watched since you were, and you know every word and like the mm-hmm. musicality of every sentence. Like it's so deeply mm-hmm. burned into me. Yeah. And Bob goddamn Hoskins like used to get me horny. Like that role, <laughs> like, like truly, like I was like, Cher, you're gorgeous. Like, wow. And then he's amazing in that. He's super hot in that movie to me. And then also Johnny, the next door neighbor. I was like, yeah. oh, this is like a foundational kind of like sexual moment for me. It's like, the is that character that movie would be one of the contributions i have this weird thing where i'm really turned on by the idea of um uh having sex with all my clothes on yeah oh yeah <laughs> because there's so many movie scenes where it's like two people are having sex but they're fully clothed and you're like how are you doing that um i, I remember do a lot that in jeans <laughs> <laughs> that winona Ryder <laughs> sex scene when she's in the chanel dress um, while her sister's drowning. Of course. <laughs> she's goddamn drowning and the nuns have to pull her out. Yeah, she's in the the, con- the convent. Yeah. Um, such a great movie. If any of our listeners haven't um, Check out seen Mermaids. Mermaids. It really is like some great use of voiceover. And Winona, forever. I mean, I just, I really love Winona. She, you know, I mean, she gets... She gets raked across the coals, but I mean, there's a reason why she's been in our lives since um, yeah. since we were yeah. born. <laughs> I need to rewatch Little Women with Winona because Winona's Joe was foundational for me as well. Um, I I don't see anyone saying this, so don't think that this is like a thing on the internet. But you know, you've got gorgeous hair. If uh, you know our listeners can't see it, but you've got huge dark brown curly hair. And right now, Agatha from WandaVision is the icon we've all been waiting for. <laughs> and Catherine Hahn, by the end of the show, has hair much like yours and is flying around the air, screaming and cackling. And I feel like in that sense, you have big witch energy, which Catherine resonates Hahn. with me. There's a celebrity <laughs> crush. She, by the way, the sweet people, I got in these tweets, like, it's so great to see Kate Berlant finally in a role where she's really able to flourish. <laughs> like, um, and, then, and then, like, weeks later being like, it was it was Kate, it was Catherine Hahn, not Kate Berlant. But um, um, I, have, I haven't seen a single frame, but I hear it's great. <laughs> it's I, I'm not uh, I mean I love superhero movies and I love anything with witches I haven't yes. watched a lot of the Avengers stuff but I was surprised Ben DeLaCreme watched all of WandaVision without seeing a single movie that um the prelude preludes it you know wait she what's hasn't the seen prelude any like the Avengers movie never franchise. a single frame I've seen <laughs> I've seen the last two the big okay. last two and that's it um but I know it from like you know when I was a nerdy queer introvert child and um i read greek mythology and comic books rather than socializing that's that's where it resonates with me but um so i just wanted to maybe we need to put it out into the universe that you and Catherine hahn need to play like sisters i'm ready let's go identical where are the offers people (laughs) (laughs) yes well i am so Happy to have gotten to talk to you oh, today, Kate. This was so fun. I was genuinely so flattered to be asked. Um, the <laughs> fandom is right back at you. And yeah, you know, fully vaxxed world, back on stage. We'll get um, a gorgeous dinner. Oh, yeah. Um, are you in LA? I am. Okay. Where I you? go there for work sometimes. I'm in Portland, Oregon, but um, oh, one of my <laughs> favorite towns to perform in, truly. It's it's a great place. It's been a great place to to ride out the pandemic. So um, I want to thank you for your time today. I'm so glad I've been gushing to you for weeks and now I've gotten to do it in person. So I'm I'm grateful for the opportunity. It I was needed given it. To me. I truly if you ever want to gush at me about my work, just feel free because uh, we, we need it these days. And I certainly every do. two weeks or so. Just expect another compliment in your just inbox. Just a gentle so. compliment on my work. Thank you. That's um, the positive side of social media is it's given it's given me a way to um, harass people I admire. No, it does. It does. <laughs> It does connect us, doesn't it, folks? <laughs> Good night. Can you? That's the sign off. But um, really, thank you for having me. This was this was so fun. 
Thank you, Kate. Thanks so much for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hijinks on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at The Jinx on Instagram or Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And remember, that's spelled J-I-N-K-X. I paid extra for the K, so you have to use it because K is very expensive these days. And I'll see you next Wednesday for more hijinks. Forever. To listen to hijinks ad-free and one day early, sign up for Forever Dog Plus at foreverdogpodcasts.com slash plus. Make sure to follow at Forever Dog Team and at Mom Podcasts on social and rate and review Hijinks five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hijinks is produced by Forever Dog and Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, produced by Big Dipper, editing and sound design by Will Pitts. Executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey.